0: Feral Audio. Hey,
1: what's up, man? It's fucking Steve here, man. Go get some fucking rock and fucking roll records. Playing your fucking eardrums. You're yeah.
0: not fooling anybody. You've Got a bunch of long, boring paragraphs to read. Oh yeah, you're just right. Read okay. Yeah, okay. okay, okay. All right, here we go. <clears throat> <laughs> that, was, that was a good attempt, though. Thank you. It'd be like Thank super you. fun. All right, here Podcast. we go. here's okay. the intro.
1: The year is 2017. Summer is over. (laughs) Summer has not even begun. America is buried under a blitzkrieg of executive orders. The government seeks to control the populace through fear, division, and misinformation. But something stands in their way. No authority has yet devised a battle plan for the annexation of the human spirit. That doesn't mean they won't try, though. And with every other demographic already under attack, how long can it be before the current administration tries to crush rock and roll, the ultimate expression of rebellion for white men ages 35 to 75? The gears of tyranny grind on, gentlemen. So last summer, when I was researching the George Orwell episode, uh, I found a few concept albums that were straight up just based on the book 1984. Yeah. Like, literal Orwell music wasn't really what I was going for there. There was quite a bit of it though, uh, and we're listening right now to uh, the first ever 1984 concept album, uh, which was David Bowie's Diamond Dogs from 1974. Uh, originally, he, was he wanted that ready. ten yeah. years early. Yeah, he's ahead of his time again. Uh, he wanted to do a full-fledged stage musical version of 1984. Because he's kind of boring deep down. Yes. <laughs> a com- it was supposed to be an album and a film project, like multimedia extravaganza type wow. thing. Uh, but Orwell's Widow would not grant him the rights to do it. So the Diamond Dogs album has the songs that survived. Uh, even though it has a few good songs, it's one of his weakest like classic era efforts. So even if he had finished this as a rock opera, It might have been a major flop. I want to tell a fun story about the Diamond Dogs album cover. Please do.
2: It was a gatefold, and the top half of David Bowie was David Bowie. The bottom half of David Bowie was a dog. The original cover, you could see the dog's dick. But because you could see David Bowie, people got freaked out. Like, oh, shit. David Bowie's dick's on that album cover. So they uh, pulled it back. They didn't let it out. But a few got out. And they're super valuable. One just sold on eBay for 3500 bucks.
3: I uh, I went and checked my album. My da-
2: diamond dogs don't have a dick. Mine also does not have a dick.
1: Oh, sorry, guys. I could have struck it rich there. there. Yep. A couple dickless diamond dogs over here. Now, if you're going to write a rock opera, you, you, if you're going to write a big, overblown rock opera concept album, most often it's going to be set in a dystopian future in which rock and roll has been outlawed. And uh, today in the studio with us, we have uh, a man who is actually works in this genre, a uh, friend of the podcast in town from New York City, uh, Mr. Tony Zaret. Welcome back to the studio, yeah, Tony welcome Zaret. back to the podcast. Well, it's
4: great to be here. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of people tell me I look like Ed Sheeran had a baby.
0: Isn't that stand-up stage? Oh, <laughs> yeah, Can't can you yeah, see
1: yeah, what is I look like? Uh,
2: this isn't, isn't a visual medium. Like. Oh. It's a good joke, though.
1: Thank you very yeah. much. It's true. Right. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So, Tony, a few years back, you, uh, you actually... I actually wrote a rock opera for Channel, or a show for Channel 101 New York called Roboticus, uh, and it was set in a dystopian future in which rock and roll has been outlawed. Uh, and all four of us were in some way involved in it, although I don't remember how. Do I remember? only know that I played the shirtless drummer. Yeah, I made it with him. Okay. And I mean, also, so I, you,
3: I just made it for regular Channel 101, but it wasn't. Yeah, it didn't really, get in. Yeah. But it did a, get
1: into Channel 101 yeah. New York.
3: Yes, and it won. Uh, no, it didn't the, win. Yeah, it won be, Best Music. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's
4: not a category, but thank you. Yeah. Anyway, it let's did, move on. too. All right. Uh,
2: JD and I were merely talent. <laughs> Anyway,
1: Anyway, so I I got to thinking, like, how did that get to be the cliché? Like, I can think of two or three rock operas that were set in a dystopian future in which rock and roll has been outlawed just off the top of my head. But there had to be more, because, like... Clichés become clichés through uninspired repetition. So I did some digging and I started to wonder, like, can I get a top ten for an episode out of this? Are there really enough actual, real-life examples of dystopian futures in which rock and roll has been outlawed? Well, I am pleased to announce that the answer is close enough. (laughs) Welcome to a little genre that I like to call... Dystopian future in which rock and roll has been outlawed. Yes, it's a one-word noun with no spaces. Beyond Yacht Rock.
0: What's up? It's the Beyond Yacht Rock podcast. It's the only podcast on the internet that still says, what's up? And the yeah. only one that counts down musical songs. Musical, musical songs, songs of, of the best genres side. of our creation. Uh, my name is J.D. Riznar. What's
1: that? I'm fucking Hollywood Steve, man. Let's get to the rockin'.
2: He's on Cool Fire. Yeah. Hey, I'm David Lyons. I'm glad you brought up musical songs. That's what the Beach Boys sing about. It's a very important term. Hunter. Yo. Hunter, And of course, we've already said
0: hello to Tony Zaret, welcome to the studio, it's exciting to have you back, and we got a funny setup where you can't hear the music.
4: Yeah, which really stinks, because I was really looking forward to hearing this Fear Factory tune <laughs> <Yeah>. coming up, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, oh well.
0: <laughs> you're just going to have to hear us describe the music <laughs> yeah. and feel yeah. it that way. We're going to have to really paint a picture for him today, uh, for You're going to have to
3: buy it after you get out of here.
0: <laughs> so because we created the term Yacht Rock, we like to throw a bone to the Yacht Rock genre every week, and this time we're listening to Patty Austin. Do You Love Me? Was this your choice, Jamie? It was, but our good friend Tim Malcolm, he just wrote an article for VinylMePlease.com where he recommended the top 10 Yacht Rock uh, albums you should own on vinyl. And in that list was Patty Austin's Every Home Should Have One, which we talked about before. He highlighted or highlight this one song that I've never given a good listen to. And do you love me?
3: It's a hot song, uh, but I will say on that list, No Minute by uh, Minute by Minute" by the Doobie Brothers. Tim!
0: That that's, seems like Maybe that would be essential. I think everybody has it anyway. Oh, yeah. It yeah. goes without saying. Um, it's a dollar bin staple. <laughs> so Tim said this song sounds an awful lot like Loggins' I Gotta Try, but I don't quite hear it. I can hear a little bit of that.
3: Oh, absolutely! This is—it's—it's uh, it's how she purrs through the verses. I can imagine Logan singing it, but I don't really. No jazz it. growl, but uh, I can't tell. Really I can't tell what
2: it
0: sounds <laughs> like here. <laughs> but uh, anyway, it's pretty um, good. I think yeah. you'd
2: like it. All right. it. Sounds like Patty
0: Austin. Love well, it. This is this is a rare yacht rock song because it's it's yacht soul. It's a mild yacht sco with log line elements, some hold the line electric guitar and Steely dance style guitar noodling. This is yachtatooey. It's a hearty stew of yacht elements with some slap bass from Lewis Johnson thrown in for extra flavor. Thunder Thumbs! Thunder Thumbs! Um, I could also hear Michael Jackson singing this, and I'd be surprised if Michael didn't listen to the shit out of this album while recording Thriller. It also helps that this song was written by Rod Temperton and produced by Quincy.
3: Uh, yeah, you're pretty spot on with that. She definitely. So she starts like Loggins, finishes like MJ... And we all know that she can pull off Michael McDonald if mm-hmm. she needs it to, which is a bit of a disservice to compare her to everybody else. But it, I think it really goes to the fact that she has just incredible range. I
0: mean, she's worked with Logan. She's worked with Michael Jackson. I think they all get their style from her. Probably. Uh, so that's Lukather playing guitar, if you haven't figured it out already. We got Paulina DaCosto uh, percussing and the synth triumvirate of games, Foster, and Boddicker. Wow. I need to pay attention. Is it always Quincy Jones who brings the three best synth players together like that? Uh, hey, Q! Somebody asked this question. Q, be, who should we get to play synth? Let me ask you this, man.
2: Who shouldn't we get, baby? He gets all of them. So you just, you're just you going to bring in all three and we have to pay for three different people playing the same instrument? I got a big budget for this all album. Right, I get the,
0: big budgets for all my albums. You're the Q. Quincy
2: Jones.
0: Uh so there's yacht rockers up and down this album, but uh, of course this is from Factory Q. Uh, and one of my favorite songs on here is the second to the last track called Oh No Margarita. That song, along with Mark Jordan's Margarita, are the two tropical drink yacht rock songs you should be listening to and have on your yacht rock playlists instead of Pina Colada song in Margaritaville. But Margaritaville, of course, not really that bad. Hey, come on.
1: Hey, let's yacht I mean, for this- Jimmy Buffett, it's not that no. bad. No, it's classic. Yeah, it let's like, It's
0: like being the tallest dwarf. Let's uh let's yasky this song so we have it on the
3: record. Oh. 85. 85. For am me. I am I next? Yeah. Um I'm gonna give it a 73. Wow. <laughs> Stop saying wow. He's
2: 82 just, for me. I think JD's uh, just a little bit high. I'll go 82. You're, are you low because it's a little too dancy, a little too disco? It's disco, but yeah. it's
3: 73. is a, it's it's a not fine a bad number. number. Yeah.
2: It's too dancy, too
4: hot.
0: 87. Wow. All right. Human calculator Tony Zaret, what's the average?
4: Well, I'll give you my rating on the ASCII scale. Uh-huh. i got to say zero. Oh. No oh. drums, no percussion, <laughs> <laughs> no singing. <laughs> I'm sorry. I haven't heard anything that sounds less like Yomron. Rock. <laughs> <laughs> Before.
0: And again, the bit is Tony...
4: I do not have headphones on. He
0: cannot hear the can't hear the music.
4: I didn't... Have,
0: yeah. <laughs> that deserves a wow. Yeah. Hmm? That deserves a wow, Dave. Mm.
3: Tony's quick wit. Oh, he's, mm. he's, oh. Uh, he's... He's letting you know that it was a very mm, poignant right. statement he just made, Jay. Wow.
0: Um, all right, we need to learn about this, this genre called... Um, uh, a dystopian future in which rock and roll has been outlawed. Well, yeah. Tony,
3: do you have something to say? No. Oh, it looks I like really, you wanted <laughs> to say something. <laughs> you're, you're holding that mic up to your mouth. Like you, yeah, you got. I'm just He's, keeping it ready in case
2: I think of a, a singer. Yeah, in case a singer, like a uh, big Yeah, old.
4: I'm <laughs> you. not going to just put it down and pick it up. All right.
2: In case when, when lightning strikes, you don't yeah. want to You want them to have the, the lid off that jar.
4: The only time I'm going to drop it is if I say something really funny, and then I'm going to keep it down.
0: He said, he said uh, drop it down and stick his <laughs> and tongue I out. And then dropped it down and yeah. stuck yeah. my
4: tongue out. And then you he couldn't he hear couldn't him. You couldn't
2: hear him. Okay. But once again, Tony. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's so hard. <laughs> he just yeah. got it. He's not getting a, it. He's not a, a visual it. medium. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, all right. Oh,
1: Steve, take us to the terrible future. <laughs> all right. Uh, so it's not difficult at all to find songs or concept albums that are set in a dystopian future. There's tons of that stuff. The hard part of this genre... ...is determining whether in this dystopian future, rock and roll has, in fact, been outlawed. Uh, I read a lot of concept album plot summaries just looking for evidence. Some of them were indeterminate, like, for example, everything Janelle Monet has ever recorded. It's all set in a dystopian future... But I could not figure out the government's stance on rock and roll or even futuristic R&B one way or the other because it's not central to the plot of what's happening. Janelle Monet, really? Yeah, yeah. it's like she's playing an android character oh. running around a futuristic dystopia. Is ah. it her
0: eccentric hairstyle? It's like a, it's supposed to be a future
1: hairstyle? Maybe. All right. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of stuff happening there. But in all that stuff, doesn't say about music one way or the other. Uh, So right now we're listening to a track from Fear Factory's 1998 album, Obsolete, which has a classic dystopian future plot. See, the machines have taken over. Mankind is now obsolete until the hero Edge Crusher breaks out of jail to lead the revolution. He's chased by the members of the Securitron and their robots. He shows up at an anti-war protest that the Securitron breaks up, and he's recaptured, I think. But it's impossible to tell if rock and roll has been outlawed uh, since this is a somewhat mechanical-sounding industrial metal band, that's the conflict in the plot. not the It's, it's man versus machine. Um, so this requires
0: us to answer the biggest question facing humanity as we rush towards singularity. If robots make rock and roll music, is it still rock and roll? If yes, we have a mystery with this song, and if no, uh, and only man can create rock and roll, I would say rock and
2: roll is, by default, outlawed in this song. All right, well, that's a reasonable argument. Thank you very much. I I would argue on the side of if drum machines have no soul, a robot can't make rock and roll. I think you need a human.
3: I just don't think you can separate it that much. I would say that in any police state, a free exp- uh, form of expression would be outlawed in general. Uh, like, for instance, in Roboticus, rock music wasn't necessarily forbidden, uh, but free, free form rocking out was, you yeah. see. Uh, ha- it had to be state approved and controlled. So in a larger construct, I would say that in essence, it would be barred, barred rock.
4: I just want to say I, I do have headphones on and I can... At, hear, we found headphones. I can and hear the fear. Got, factory song. Oh. I mean, Are you uh, mono or stereo over there? I'm just in one ear. And, uh, you know, they say this is a visual medium, but uh, I've heard I that think it's times. even less interesting to just be discussing mono or stereo. So let's just <laughs> I
0: keep love it. rolling along. He knows, he knows how to do the fucking podcast. <laughs> yeah. Not you, Dave. Still haven't figured it out. All right. Uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, see, Steve. anyway,
1: too many, too many artists don't make clear all the rules and regulations in their totalitarian dystopias. You need a, con- a companion volume to the albums or something. But I think it sounds like there's more evidence for this song... Uh, belonging to this genre than not. If we had, if somebody put a gun to our heads. Like, if the Securatron put a gun to our heads, we would say it probably is Absolutely. Dystopian Future, in which rock and roll has been outlawed. I don't even need a gun to my head. Listen,
0: when I'm president, Steve, I'm going to make everything clear. I'm going to sign an executive order stating that any band past or present that has recorded a concept album in the dystopian future must release to the public whether or not rock and roll is outlawed on I, that I, album. That's a great
1: platform, Plank. Yes,
0: yes, I now will require a sticker to be placed on the front of albums that reads dystopian future colon rock and roll outlawed or dystopian future uh, colon rock and roll allowed. And any band failing to do this on their releases or back catalog releases, uh, all revenues from those unlabeled albums will be taxed at 100% and given back to the American people. Oh, that's great. And for the record, Steve, uh, would you like to give us bullet points of this genre? It's pretty clear, but just like some quick bullet points to recap.
1: Well, basically, the only criteria I had for belonging to this genre is A, the song or the concept work from which it is taken. Has to be set in a dystopian future, <laughs> and B, okay. I had to be able to tell from I had to be able to reasonably assume, if it wasn't outright stated, that rock and roll has indeed been outlawed in this future dystopia. All right, so because this is a
0: lyrically based genre, this is what I like about this playlist. Like you'd think that they all sound the same, like they're all prog, stupid prog rock bands. But Steven only is, some of it is stupid. Yeah, yeah prog, you think they're stupid. Yeah. We think it all be, but Steve's done a pretty good some job of digging prog. up some
4: of it is stupid music of others. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's
0: it's it some's Uh But Steve, you've done a great job um, just digging up a nice range of sounds for this one. There's some real surprises on this counter.
1: Yeah, there really are. I, and this is—I think this might be the first really lyrically based genre that I've that I've tried to put together. So it's not—it's not, uh, not going to be like epit- like one sound epitomized like a lot of my uh, genres are. Um, which is what you just assumed. And I would like to say that uh, because
3: I can't pronounce the whole thing, mm-hmm. I'm just gonna refer to this in short form as as barred rock. Okay. Like, like hard rock, so if I ever say that again. Bard rock Bard like B-A-R-E-D. B-A-R-R-E-D. Not like Bard like a... Like, no, not oh, like not, Shakespeare. Yeah, yeah, not a Shakespearean. That should have been your
0: name for rock bands. Well, rock bands was a good I, two. I'm sorry. Um, and so finally, we, so we brought Tony in here, because uh, not only is uh, was he in town, but this we happened to be doing a genre that was right in his wheelhouse. So we wanted to bring him in to read the plot descriptions of all these songs, relieving Hollywood Steve of like ten large paragraphs.
1: Yeah, these these plot lines are extremely convoluted. and uh... <laughs> But all somewhat kind of similar. Somewhat similar, but each one brings its own unique madness their, to the their basic own twist template. on a classic take. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Which yeah. is rock and roll has
3: been outlawed in a future dystopia, right? Exactly. Okay. Pretty much. Gotcha. All
1: right, guys. <laughs> this is Shooter Jennings. Ooh. With the song, Wake Up. Oh, you mean, uh,
3: wake
0: up!
1: Yes. <laughs> There's an exclamation mark. Subtitle, Sheeple. It's not really a subtitle, Sheeple. <laughs> but that's the sentiment. An implied subtitle. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's the, the reason I put this song in here, it doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum you come from. Anybody can wake up tomorrow stuck in a dystopian future in which rock and roll has been outlawed. Even outlaw country scion shooter Jennings. Who has appeared multiple times on the Alex Jones Conspiracy Hour, which I assume is the name of the show. I don't know.
0: Is that it's called InfoWars because they are waging war on accurate information. There's a spin-off show called uh, live with a non existent fact fact filter between David Lyons Mind and Mouth. Yeah. That sounds exactly right to me.
3: Mm-hmm. It could also be Prison Planet, too. That's their other thing, and uh, <laughs> which I assume is a failed concept
1: album title.
4: The band Clutch has a song about a prison planet. Oh, I think, a, I think
1: I may have heard that one. It's a great one. song. All right, Tony, I'm going to throw it to you right now and okay. explain explain this the, the album that this comes from.
4: So this song is from a concept album called Black Ribbons. It came out in 2010. And here's the plot, okay? The government is about to take over the free public airwaves of radio. And censor all the content it deems inappropriate. So I already do. Yeah.
2: So just basically, <laughs> well, it's called the FTC. Yeah, they should have called it the FCC. Well,
4: <laughs> let me say, so, show you why this okay, is so crazy. All right, different. because this is a world where the radio stations are actually owned by the government instead of by iconoclastic outsiders like Clear Channel Media and iHeartRadio. It's, it's that who own them now. Same thing. Yeah. yeah. That was my. That was my ah, bit. Oh, thing. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> <is>
2: corporate radio. <laughs> Bit. Yeah,
4: because it was too subtle. I thought
2: taking, it was... taking the piss out of corporate radio. Well, I, thought I like it was... bits that just sound like mistakes.
4: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh, then you right. That's well, that's like, you we've been Dave working
1: on with the Dave podcast. for a really long
4: time. Well, I get, I deal with that a lot. I sort of dry irony. Some people just get mad and I think they're <laughs> serious. I get I do a lot of memes on Reddit, and people uh, just call me <laughs> autistic because <laughs> so they don't get the irony. <laughs> so I, I two or three times a day. So I, I understand. Anyway, let's carry it So basically, the album is. Narrate, uh, narrated by a dj named will o the wisp voiced by horror author stephen king oh, oh
2: they really yeah. they really got the talent uh that guy's known for his good talking
4: and uh he's using his last hour on the air before the takeover to play the music of the band Hierophant, which is what shooter jennings named his backing band for the album and uh, if you think this sounds far-fetched, listen to this, okay? Jennings and the band were going to perform the album live during the release party at the Viper Room in Los Angeles on March 3rd, 2010. But they had to cancel it due to what I'm sure was a ban by the government, although the official reason given was lack of interest. <laughs> <laughs> so.
1: <laughs> oh, what a dumb plot. <laughs> I listened I listen to a few more of the songs, and uh, some of them are, are clearly not uh, written for the uh, concept. They're just songs that Shooter Jennings happened to have in his back pocket.
4: Well, when you're as prolific as Shooter Jennings, yeah. you gotta, yeah. don't to leave any fe- gems on the
1: He has a, a he fair is, number of releases.
2: I, I was familiar with his name, and not just because of who his dad was. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's
1: Waylon Jennings' his son, of course, and and uh, Shooter's actual first name is Waylon. So at some point, for some reason, somebody decided to nickname him Shooter, which maybe it sounds like a cowboy shooting a gun thing, but in, yeah. in, in, in most people's worlds, that's the kind of name where your dumbass friends are going to tell a hilarious origin story to embarrass you in front of women.
2: Well, he uh, shooter named, uh, nicknamed his son Black Jack Jennings. So I think the <laughs> stupid nickname is hereditary. <laughs> right, I was, was going to name my kid
1: Black Jack Jennings now.
2: Just drop Huey. <laughs> your name
0: is Black Jack Jennings. You can do that. You can give your kid any last name you want. Absolutely. Um, so I was in the Apple Store the other day speaking of dumb kid's name and this 30-something hipster turned his head and desperately yelled, Doctor, doctor! And I was like, is this, a, is this a medical emergency? And then, like, I was really thrown. Like, this guy needs a doctor. And then a four year old boy runs up to him. He named his son Doctor. I wonder if his middle name was Dre. Oh, Jesus Christ. I thought
3: I thought you, the story was going to go, he was going to sing uh, Bad Case of Loving You.
0: <laughs> My point is, government, leave rock and roll alone. You need to ban white people from naming their kids. And I'm a guy who named their kids Junior and Lady Junior.
1: <laughs> uh, anything else on this one, guys? Uh, uh, Shooter's first album came out in 2005. It was titled Put the O Back in Country. It's a, it's a, a cunt joke. Ah! Uh, <laughs> And uh, ah. he's uh, he's recorded pretty steadily, fairly prolifically since then. But uh, so far, he hasn't quite achieved the prominence of Hank Williams the Third. If you're Williams. gonna if you're gonna put those country kids uh, in competition with one another, well, maybe Blackjack
2: will uh, come in. With I got a high hopes for Williams Blackjack third, Jennings <laughs> because it's the third one that
0: really. Yeah. I just hope rock and roll isn't banned, so he has a shot. Yeah.
3: Good thing he's a country artist.
4: What if he thought what, what if he thought too much country was about math and he named it put the RY back in country? <laughs> Wait, hold on. Sorry. It was about Count. the last thing. <laughs> yeah. Count,
1: okay. Alright. Uh, that's good. I like it. Alright, this is Nine Inch Nails with survivalism. Uh, From the album Year Zero, Uh, Trent Reznor has been recording his Nine Inch Nails since 1989. He's done the vast majority of that work well after he became uh, an alt rock star with 1994's The Downward Spiral album. Uh, So in 2007, after the mainstream had largely stopped paying attention to him, he recorded a dystopian future in which rock and roll has been outlawed concept album called Year Zero, Uh, and this is the first single off it.
4: I'm going to throw it to you yes. for the plot. Here's the plot of year zero, and there's a lot of very specific dates referenced here. Oh, so that's uh, how
1: you know it's history. Yeah.
4: it's uh, Basically, it's set in the year 2022, oh, coming sense, up. Coming which up. is now year zero, yep. according to the new totalitarian U.S. government, which seized power following a dirty bomb detonated in Hollywood in 2009 during the Grammys, which, uh, knowing what we know now, would have resulted in the premature death of Amy Winehouse. <laughs> <laughs> uh... The U.S. is now a Christian fundamentalist theocracy in which rock and roll has been outlawed. Also, a chemical called pear pin is distributed through the water supply that keeps the population apathetic. And uh, this, of course, is based on how we currently have a mind control drug drug in our water called fluoride. Uh, Hey,
0: lay lay off the info wars. They're fighting war.
4: (laughs) Well, listen, ever since Uh. I heard about this, I've stopped drinking tap water and just to be safe. I've also stopped washing uh, my uh, ass. Yes.
0: The easiest way to deliver <laughs> yeah. my fluoride. Right. That's fluoride. Yeah. Yeah, so yes. Not fun. not
4: worth the risk. Yeah. Uh, anyway, a pair of enormous spectral arms called the Presence come down out of the sky. The presence says that if humans don't fix themselves, we'll wipe this place clean like an ass. Yes, but no if one, you if you wash, if was, yeah. Uh, but no one heeds its warning and the human race is extinguished on February 10th. Which, ironically, is the birthday of, uh, does anyone want to guess?
2: I have I have two guesses. Go ahead. Alan Hale Sr., the father of Skipper no, from why? Gilligan's Island. No. Trent Reznor. Pete? Peter Allen.
4: You're all wrong. It's Laura Dern. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and go to famousbirthdays.org Just for you more info. List. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, of that's other where people. I went
2: to find Peter Allen and <laughs> well, Alan Hale Sr. I was focusing yeah. on the A's.
4: Anyway, there's also a lot of fine uh, stars. that's good.
1: Wow. Star Pack Day. So that that really there is only the beginning of the Year Zero project. Uh, The album was only one part of it. Uh, There was also a remix album and accompanying alternate reality game, which is something I assume the kids today are familiar with because I'm not sure what playing it entails. It entails a video game that is not fun. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. All right, that sounds about right. Uh, there was also a potential film or TV adaptation in the works that never ended up happening. I assume it still could. If anybody's out there, Hollywood, there's a wealth of story material. I feel like a just lot of these that have that same story.
3: There was a movie and book and play <laughs> deal, yeah. but yeah. it didn't happen. Yeah, just never reason. got
2: around to, to making it. A lot some, of multimedia extravaganzas about, in the works about here. Something about investors not yeah. wanting to have any, uh, couldn't
3: get the money. It was weird.
2: Yeah. Gov- the government's banned terrible ideas. Uh. <laughs> I mean, they'll call it lack of interest, but you know right. what it is.
3: Yeah. I, uh, I have a theory about these. This this, this, this go kind of goes with this, and I'll, I'll mm-hmm. spit it out right now about these these barred rock artists. Is that I think they get these grand ideas about the, why their music isn't selling and and they as they start to age and their mind immediately goes to the audience is just being controlled somehow that <laughs> if only i can break through it can't be me it's them it's, it has to be that it has to be the record companies has to be the government it has to be something else it can't just be my music cuz if you look at all these these usually come towards the tail end of all their careers anyways sorry
1: that's my theory on these so with all that, yeah, that's. Uh, I think if we go through one by one, we'll probably be like. There's very few artists who were really in their primes when they did these. <laughs> Absolutely not.
3: <laughs> nobody's nobody's restricting their sound.
1: Uh, so in addition to all that other shit, uh, there was also a big promo campaign interwoven with the alternate reality game. Uh, they set up fake government websites. Uh, they cooked up a bunch of, according to Wikipedia, phone numbers, emails emails, videos, mp3s, murals, and other media. Uh, that would reveal clues Jesus. as to how to stop the government. Yeah. <laughs> Create that uh, buzz. We need that now, Trent. Yeah. Uh, they really? Up phone numbers? Yeah.
0: I
4: got like, like six, 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 six. <laughs> wow.
0: you, you call
2: him
1: up. Hey, this is Trent Reznor. Dial a nine-inch nail song. Here's uh, closer. I and mean, that's basically what they did. Is he used this as a way to leak a new song from the album next? Like, uh, he played a show in Lisbon, Portugal, and left a flash drive in the bathroom stall, and it contained. A new song uh, from the, uh, the the album that hadn't been released yet. Did he do that on purpose? Yes. It's okay. all. It was part of the game. It was part of the alternate okay. reality
2: game. Because you don't you don't accidentally leave your flash drive next to the shitter. All
3: alt advertising. It's all because it's all because they just can't. The record companies aren't selling their shit anymore.
1: There was another stunt where he held a fake meeting of the alternate reality game's Art is Resistance underground group. Uh, Real people showed up, and they got cell phones that told them where to go for what turned out to be a surprise Nine Inch Nails concert, (laughs) which was then in turn broken up by a fake SWAT team.
0: Uh, Given that it all takes place in 2007 or 2008, it's actually super sad. Yeah, I don't know what to make of all this. It's got to be. It's like, hey, look at me. I'm an irrelevant rock star. You were crazy about 20 years ago. Let me take you on a treasure hunt
3: for new music I made this year. (laughs) There might be a good chance. uh, It's a scary treasure hunt. (laughs) Dustin, did you go to this? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs)
2: Oh, he didn't you guys, you guys know how uh, like artists now will get together and have like their Back to the Future art show or their Ghostbusters art show or something like that. They're real popular for people to get together and sell those stuff. Uh, one of my friends and I decided to be great if we planned an art heist, kind of like the SWAT team busting in from the ceiling, and like like 17 seconds, like real amped up. But the whole bit was we like stop and like this is all fucking garbage. <laughs> Let's get out of here.
0: <laughs> um, hey, that old pranking day from high school uh-huh. he describes has not stopped. Yeah.
1: Still
2: still got it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I'm going to close with a little... I'm not going to read this whole thing. It's fucking too much. I'll just read a tiny bit of Trent Reznor's uh, concept for Year Zero. He says, This record began as an experiment with noise on a laptop in a bus on tour somewhere. That sound led to a daydream about the end of the world. That daydream stuck with me. And over time, revealed itself to be much more.
0: God, what I wouldn't do for a million dollars in the bank and, like, a sense of grandeur.
2: <laughs> and a laptop. Yeah. yeah.
3: Uh, I like Trent Reznor, but, yeah, you know, your audience just got older. It wasn't the government.
2: Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's their fault they weren't into him anymore.
1: Here's a fucking discovery. This is the title track from Jefferson Airplane co-founder Paul Kantner's final solo album, 1983's Planet Earth Rock and Roll Orchestra. Was it an unexpected final solo album? I'm done with solo albums. I think it
3: just turned
0: out to be that way. I've said what I wanted to say, and I'm stepping away. Find me a
1: band. So, Planet Earth Rock and Roll Orchestra was the nick- originally the, that phrase was the nickname for the group of San Francisco psychedelic hippie musicians <laughs> who played yacht rock style on all each other's records. Not yacht rock not, music. Not rock music. They in, sussed you in, with in style. the style of the the, the, the Southern, Southern California style. studio yeah. clicks. Uh, careful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I I phrased that better. Grateful, Uh, that
0: is your rock. (laughs) Yes, it internet
1: might burn. (laughs) Our internet might burn. (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, So, Paul had already written a sci-fi concept album in 1970 called Blows Against the Empire, where the plot revolved around a band, based on him and his friends, stealing a government starship. Yes, that was the genesis of the Jefferson Starship name. uh, To go start a hippie rock commune on a fresh new planet. And that album was actually nominated for a Hugo Award, which are the Sci-Fi Awards, for Best Dramatic Presentation. <laughs> hey boy, that, that would not go well. Hey, let's go
0: to another planet. We'll survive on peace and love. And they got the spaceship and they all asphyxiate right away.
3: <laughs> what's this what's spaceship hideous. made out of? Mud. And love. <laughs> and the, the stuff we had it lying around. on
4: peace, man. And we God, I can't believe this loser only got a Hugo Award instead of a Channing. New York Award for Best
1: Music. (laughs) This was only nominated. You won. Oh, right. So that's the the genesis. 13 years after that album, Paul decided to write a sequel, this time about a different band, also based on him and his friends, who are also called the Planet Earth Rock and Roll Orchestra. Uh, it's supposed to be a sequel to the first. It's subtitled "The Empire Blows Back," which is also going to be the title of my first beat sex tape. And that album was this first. Yeah. It's already out! Oh it's shit. called Steve Fucks a Girl and I put it out like a couple years Steve ago. Steve fucks a girl and he likes it.
0: So, no, it's so just got called... a cake hunt. <laughs> yeah. Steve Fucks a girl. It's out, so it's the name of your
3: second leak sex tape. Uh, okay. Alright, and, and good. The Empire Blows Back? Yes. Who's the Empire?
1: I don't know. Okay. It's gonna be a weird case. It hasn't then. been cast
3: yet. <laughs> oh. It's getting blown by a
2: chicken at Darth Vader mask. Oh, that's a good idea. Uh, the umpire blows back would
0: probably be about a poorly called Cubs game. Am I right, Steve? Yeah. Okay, sorry. you got really to get dumb. the Strike no, Zone it's good. set. Okay, thank you, you so much. It's
1: Steve. it's so Steve's birthday. This, uh, recording this. this album was supposed to be a musical companion to the novel that explained the whole story, but uh, it wasn't finished in time for the record release, so Paul just wrote up an insert for the album. But, uh, Tony, uh, I'm going to throw the, yes. the plot line of the novel to you now. Yes. Okay. So,
4: uh, the story is that a rock band develops telepathic amplification technology, Hmm. and the U.S. government tries to steal it to use in the Cold War.
1: There's a thing in 1983. Cold War.
4: The band flees to the Australian outback and uh, joins a secret self-sufficient commune of 1,500 people, but the government tracks them down. So the telepathic children form a telepathic shield around the commune. As one does. And everybody somehow escapes into outer space. Once again... Now taking a
1: rocket to form a yeah. uh, to form a commune on a new planet. Now
4: Steve mentioned uh, uh, the novel. Um, now the thing is, in this case, Paul Kantner actually did write the entire novel. It's five hundred. Oh, he did finish it. Yes, it's yeah. five hundred pages long, and he published it on uh, his website. Mm. <laughs> uh, would you guys mind if I read you just the opening paragraph? Please, please do. Okay. Uh, and,
3: and you know why it, you know it's a sci-fi novel is because it was a self-sufficient commune. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> you need a banker oh, You need a banker
4: Here is the beginning of the excerpt from the beginning, very beginning of the novel This is the first line Billy Horn lifted the arm off of the record mid-track with an audible scratch The cathedral-like rock and roll that rang the walls echoed, then disappeared Sucked into a silence that filled the room like a sponge Billy picked up a black Fender Stratocaster and plugged it into a Mesa Boogie amplifier.
1: Paul Kantner uses Fender Stratocasters and makes the Boogie amplifiers exclusively.
4: He switched the amp on, and as it warmed, he picked up the TV remote control and brought the set to life. That's spelled VVVZZHHTTT. He switched channels. And this last next one is shorter. He only puts one T at the end of VVVZZHT. <laughs> and then there's a quick one, which is VVVZZHT. Just, uh, yeah. not The last one had two H's. This one only has one H and one T. <laughs> nothing satisfied. <laughs> this next one. 30 channels and nothing. Titles. 30 channels and nothing fucking on. Billy remarked
0: caustically. Listen, you had me at audible scratch.
4: <laughs> yeah, it's,
3: that's, a, that's a comedy noise. <laughs>
2: here's,
3: here's the thing.
2: Tony was looking up the illustrations that Paul Cantor did. He
4: self-illustrated did. His enough.
2: own illustrations. And we couldn't stop laughing because they looked like they were fucking done by Beavis and oh, God. <laughs> so It's I, like a dude busting through a window and the guy's. Got uh, like a katana, katana blade and a poster of a tiger on his bedroom wall. <laughs> He's holding the guitar with a little doobie. Oh, it's it really is an illustration that would have be
0: on like on the on the on the grocery bag cover of a junior high yeah. textbook.
2: Yeah, like when you're when you're 13, if you had a girl in your room and she saw what you were drawing when you're 10, you'd kind of kick it under the bed because you'd be embarrassed. And that is better than the illustrations he did for this book.
4: And you can buy it according to the website on a CD-ROM, oh. which he may, he may be a little bit out of date. It, <laughs> it, it the Commune like, is still making this. Yeah, but it is available... Uh, Paul Kantner's website. I'm going to see if
2: CD I can get rock. you uh, some of that original art for your next birthday. Thanks very much. Uh, um, I
0: I think we've been through this song once already, and we're about to get through it a second time. Uh, anything I else?
1: Wanna, I'll, I'll just throw out a couple quick details yeah. about what else is on this album. It's going to be a lot. Uh, there's a song from there's a, a song from 1971, 12 years before the album was released, that uh, Kantner co-wrote with Jerry Garcia called "The Mountain Song," which means that there was a plot point in the uh, opera where the band goes up on a mountain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, another thing that happens is Paul's daughter, China Cantner, sings on two songs. She grew up to be, to be an MTV VJ and it was also the romantic interest in me and my friends' favorite shitty stoner comedy, *The Stoned Age*. She also played uh, Wilson's niece
2: on *Home Improvement*. Oh, and I wait—I love
0: this fun fact about China. She was 15 when she started VJing. It was 1987, and that was when her mom, Grace Slick, her band Starship, was uh, was having hits on MTV. Still, so I'm surprised that the universe didn't implode, because it's like, Hi, I'm I'm China Cantor an MTV VJ, the absolute coolest job anyone can have in 1987, and here's a video by my mom. <laughs>
1: it's a weird thing. I want to take us out with a quick uh, lyric from the second song of this album, She's a telepath. Here we go. She is a telepath. I want her autograph. She's just like you, just like me, but... She's a telepath. <laughs> That's that
2: AAA rhyme scheme that Brian Adams made so famous. <laughs>
0: and uh, and God. the the man coo with small town.
2: Yeah. There's no
1: love like your love. No other could give more love. Seven. Oh, here's another one. Uh, I did let one song from one of those musical adaptations of 1984 sneak onto this countdown. This is Yes! keyboardist Rick Wakeman with guest singer Shaka Khan, Together at Last. (laughs) I I had to include this because, number one, when we did the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame episode, I didn't know Shaka Khan's back catalog well enough to offer an informed opinion on her candidacy. And after this song, she never deserves to get in. (laughs) The
3: Queen of Funk wasn't enough The title Queen of Funk not enough but he found this so, song the thing so. is if
2: if you had told me Rick Wakeman from Yes had one of these songs I would have said of course
3: but the Shaka but, Khan thing really surprised yeah that's th- what throws you for a loop she kind of had a sci-fi thing going on Yeah, like big hair yeah Rufus they wore a lot of shiny clothes shiny pointy shoulder things yeah. I think
4: you're thinking of LaBelle
3: am I thinking yeah. of LaBelle shit see I, I, I again I, only, I didn't know enough of her catalog
1: I'm sure she wore something shiny at some
0: point
3: <laughs>
1: Uh, so yeah, we, we need to know more of her catalog. So I, I want I put a deep cut of hers in the show. It's, it, and the other reason I wanted to put it in here is this song is fucking nuts.
0: Yeah, and it's great to hear Shaka Khan and, and not just another song by a long-haired white dude. And I imagine her walking into the studio looking at, at the lyrics and being a good sport about this dorky nonsense she yeah, has to sing about. Right. And if you listen closely to the lyrics of the song, you'll notice uh, the line she delivers with the most emotion is, I'd love to know what it means.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, she
3: has a career at this point. Yeah, She
1: has yeah. no idea what these guys are. These yeah, paranoid this assholes. Was, this was during about. her prime. Not during Rick no. Wakeman's no. prime, no. But, no. but it was during Shaka Khan. Yes. prime
0: now what's this guy he's a legend he's like he's a
1: is he because this is in Prague circles just, Rick Wakeman is yeah, a legend absolutely. just yeah. go Shaka just go Ah, geez. All right, so if this album is based on Orwell's actual 1984, can we say truly that rock and roll has been outlawed? I mean, after all, the government in that book did compose songs for the entertainment of the proles, even if it was written before rock and roll existed. So we can't definitively say based on Rick Wakeman's treatment, but... I defy you to listen to this piece of music and not conclude that it comes from a world where rock and roll must have been outlawed. Yeah, it's funk music. Well, rock and roll, no. It's funk that isn't quite funky. Yeah, it's It's weird. It's a reasonable facsimile of funk.
3: But this song? Are you guys talking about this song? Yeah. Uh, I love
2: him. That's (laughs) pretty funky. funky. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's, well, it's a if you're using the funk. definition of funky, that it stinks. <laughs> this is funky for Rick Wakeman. <laughs> you're
1: using the original term, the yeah. definition of funky. <laughs> Um. Uh, I also want to note, there are no robots at all in the book 1984. This song is called Robot Man. <laughs> <laughs> if, you listen, robot man. if you listen closely to the lyrics, Robot Man is actually just quick, more of a metaphor for humans who can't feel anything more, yeah. Yeah, anymore. But all this boopy synth stuff makes it sound like they're trying to add literal Robot Man to the plot of the story. Can't you
2: just define Robot Man by saying robot? No, yeah,
3: know, they're because man, they're man, man. Oh, so they're yeah. not buying my albums. I'm gonna wake up all those robot men. <laughs> I'm so they thinking
2: of my... a
4: robotic man,
2: uh, yeah, uh, yeah. An those an an automatons. Android. robot
1: women or real women aren't buying yes albums anyway. <laughs> uh, there's there's another big name involved with this project. Uh, lyrics were written by Tim Rice on this album. He was the uh, longtime collaborator of Andrew Lloyd Webber. Who Sir, they together brought the rock opera to Broadway.
3: Yeah, uh, uh Jesus, Jesus Christ, Christ Superstar
1: and uh Joseph of the Technicolor Dreamcoat the Invita. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh Rice also wrote the lyrics for the Disney films Aladdin and the the Lion King. He is a wealthy man. I looked it up. Fifteenth richest uh musician in England, I think. Wow, okay.
3: Didn't uh didn't Rick Wakeman bring uh, uh was it Camelot on ice?
4: Isn't that him? you ah, oh, he the yeah. guy that did the album? No, you're,
2: you're thinking of uh, Steve's third leaked sex video. <laughs>
4: Which is the one that did the. Third?
2: <laughs> and you're pronouncing that first word
1: wrong. There's <laughs> come a lot on ice. Oh, thank you, Steve. Thanks,
4: Steve.
1: <laughs> <sighs> you think I'm not going to hype the title of my own sex video, Hunter? Okay. I I got to get it out there. Got to yeah. get those clicks. Stick people's heads. Is it okay if
3: I wish you a happy birthday? Yeah. On happy birthday. Hey, you already did Thank you. you already I know but, it, but I feel like we glossed We're over to get to the Robot Man.
1: Yeah. <laughs> we got a lot to say about Robot Man. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, uh, it's a, it's a perfect genre to do on my birthday because it's amazing. Uh, here is Deltron 3030 with the song Positive Contact. This song, or I should say this album, Deltron 3030, is set in a dystopian future in which rap has been outlawed. And rap, of course, counts as rock and roll because there are rappers in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, this is the project that revived Dell the Funky Homo Sapien's career in the, the late 90s. Uh, it helped bring weird underground hip hop back to prominence after the uh, the gangsta trend started to play itself out. But
0: here's an argument: in a world where rap is outlawed, wouldn't a group of people still performing
1: rap in a way be gangsta? Oh, absolutely. They're keeping they're keeping the street level vibe of the music just in an intergalactic kind of sense. Can't escape gangster rap. You know, I think Del, the
3: funky hopeless Homo Sapien, is uh, becoming the new Sammy Hagar of our podcast. He's been. This you is think is a, he's that God. <laughs> hey! <laughs> fuck you. Hagar's hey, awesome. Man. He is awesome. He's, this is a... Solo, absolutely. This is his second show this season. Mm. Hey. Wait. tell the Funky Homo Sapien? Yeah. That's the third time
2: we've brought him up. Third,
3: third overall. Dave. Second, second this, this season. One. Okay.
2: Hey, you have a choice
0: of two dudes giving you blowjobs, okay? Like at the same time? I'll, no, uh, yes. no, no, no. I'll to to choose, say yes. You have to choose which dude. You've got uh, Sammy Hagar, but it's real. Toothy, mm. or you got Jimmy Buffett, but it's smooth and wonderful. One hundred percent. Toothy Hagar. Hagar. Yeah. Okay.
4: Buffett will put a finger in your ass.
3: <laughs> it's true. He wrote a song about it. Yeah.
2: No, he knows. He knows how I feel. <laughs> he wrote a, his entire catalog is about putting a finger in yeah, your. Yeah, finger ass.
3: in the wet spot. I yeah. No.
2: Right. I'd, I'd sooner get a couple shovels and a flashlight and see what Peter Allen's up to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, fun fact,
1: Steve. <laughs>
2: Alright. Uh, One in the coconut.
1: Ever. Uh So, in addition to Dell, Deltron 3030 includes producer Dan the Automator, who oversaw a lot of interesting uh, underground hip hop projects in the late 90s, including Cool Keith's legendary Dr. Octagon album. Uh, they also have turntablist Kid Koala, and there's a vocal camera. By Blur singer Damon Albarn, foreshadowing his re-teaming with Del and Dan in the Gorillas. I didn't know that Del the Funky Homo Sapien was in Gorillas. Yeah, he's the one who does the rap on their
3: big hit single. Yeah, he oh. He only like did a couple songs, and yeah, was Eastwood was the big one. Oh. So that's why. Yeah.
0: Did he change his name to Del the Funky Gorilla Gorilla? No, it was. That's like a little binomial Del- nomenclature
2: uh, joke for you guys. Oh yeah, it's yeah, Was it's a scientific it a Deltron term term for- 3000 or whatever. Didn't we just say it? I wasn't listening. Don't no worry about it. Cool. That was just a joke. was getting a bottle opener. Yeah.
1: All right, we haven't been through the plot yet. Tony,
4: here's the plot. The plot of this album uh, is that it's the year 3030, and rap has been outlawed by the intergalactic... Yeah, rap! Now that's something. Intergalactic, evil intergalactic corporations that now rule the universe. But there is an underground subculture of interstellar rap battles, and Dell's character Deltron Zero goes to represent Earth and defeats all his rap battle opponents to become the Galactic Rhyme Federation champion. However, when Deltron returns to Earth, He is captured and his memory is wiped clean by the evil, corrupt corporations. And uh, I just want to be clear these are the evil corporations, (laughs) not the good ones like Activision, who licensed this music for their game, (laughs) Matt Hoffman's Pro BMX.
3: (laughs) I like the Uh, Galactic Rhyme Federation champion, the Griff. The the GRF champ. The The Griff. That story sounds like it uh, should be a
0: movie called Eight Light Year. You get it? I got it. Okay, thank I got you. it, too. Um, so, where, where well, hold on. Where does this live on the timeline of hip-hoppers adopting futuristic personas? Does well, anybody know I mean, the answer Afri- to
1: that? Africa bambata was kind of the first one to do that. Was he rapping? In, like, 1980. He would, no, he was more like the behind-the-scenes it's, guy, I It's think. the middle. It's the I, middle I of it? I at it, yeah. It's okay. right in the middle. Okay, cool.
3: Hey Tony, this is when you're supposed to slap your knee.
4: I'm, I'm looking up the lyrics to lose yourself to do a spoof of eight mile up space. So
1: <laughs> I picked up the slack.
0: Oh. Ooh, this is epic. Yeah. This is this
3: Tangerine Dream? Yeah. Are you doing a song from. Yeah, it's coming from a movie. risky business? Welcome to Germany. Uh, no. <laughs> Uh, So almost 10 years ago, this will eventually come in, I had the greatest movie experience of my life when I went to the New Beverly Cinemas at midnight to finally catch a screening of the Vanilla Ice Extravaganza, Cool as Ice. This is the title track, Cool as Ice, Everybody Get Loose, which everyone does and everyone did at the New Beverly. It was wonderful. Yeah, And this is a movie about a world where rap should be (laughs) outlawed. <laughs> the movie opens with essentially the song's music video, with with the Ice rapping while model Naomi Campbell does the CNC Music Factory vocals. Oh. Uh, video vixen Bobby Bobby Brown is also there to dance and give Nilla her number at the end. Mm.
1: That's uh, the Bobby Brown from Cherry Pie. The war video right. Okay. Yep. Uh, it's.
3: They,
0: they originally cast Bobby Brown. They said, give me Bobby Brown. He showed up on set. <laughs> they shot the scene, but yeah. then they cut it out of the movie.
3: Uh, she and Yeah, so it's an incredible start. Uh, then his uh, dance rap biker crew, they take off, but they, they eventually break down in what looks like Burbank, but it's actually Glendora. Yeah, apparently. I looked
2: up on IMDb. I think the house, the main house is in Glendora.
3: Yeah, and somehow he ends up at this mechanic shop at this house that totally fits their neon Keith Haring aesthetic. It's perfect.
0: Yo, 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 check out that crazy whack house. That's the line I remember from the movie. I saw the movie once in... In the theater when it came out, uh, they break amazing. down... That's They break down in front of an unusual house. Is that how he got his home
1: makeover show? Does, like, does he repeat no. that as a no. catchphrase no. on it? No, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, that. <laughs> That'd be good, though. I, be I got... Yo,
2: yo, yo, check out that wack house!
1: I guarantee
0: nobody involved in his home makeover show had seen Cool, of Ice, cool as Ice. I <laughs> nobody,
2: guarantee it. Nobody involved with green lighting it certainly had. Huh? Yeah.
3: <laughs> so there's so many moments of insanity in this movie. From, from impressing a, go- a girl from throwing her from a horse, to sneaking into her bedroom and shoving ice down her throat. Wait, uh, he shoves literal ice? Or yes. He, okay, not but, it's, it it's, a but it's a metaphor. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's random canted dancing shots and fast-forward motion family times, and then there's shirtless sexy times in a desert construction site. Yeah, it's like right out of Teen Witch. Yeah. Yo,
0: yo, yo, watch me build this crazy whack house! <laughs> I
3: don't know how to accurately pin this movie except to say it's like an Elvis movie on mushrooms. yeah.
2: yeah. I have, like a few memories of this movie and one of them is like an unnecessary motorcycle jump that That, he uses to scare the girl off the horse. That's when he throws it off. And And then he gets mad when she gets mad at him. But he used the line you need to lose the hero. Lose the zero and get get with with the the hero. hero. Yeah, Uh yeah.
3: That comes a little later. Uh, He's just outside dancing and then he sees a Corvette pull up to the girl who he threw off the horse and he wants to... Just go say hi. And then he, she, <laughs> he insults uh, her. L- loses wife. the ear with the ear. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not dating you, Vanilla Ice. She loves it. She loved it. Yeah, I know. It was great. Okay, so here's uh, some fun facts about this movie. Uh, it was clearly greenlit while Ice was hot, but by the time it was released, everybody hated <laughs> him, and it grossed $1.2 million out of three, the six. Three million. weeks had gone by. <laughs> $6 million budget. <laughs> 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 Naomi Campbell is credited as singing, but I don't buy that at all. She
0: did release an album in 1995. I listen to it but she does not display the level of talent that these background singers
3: are displaying (laughs) Uh, this song is uh, most of and most of ice's stuff was produced by Gail Sky King who was a female DJ known for dance remixes and club music the cinematographer was Janis Kaminsky who was best known for working with Steven Spielberg and winning two Academy Awards for Schindler's List and Saving Private Ryan (laughs) (laughs) And it was directed by...
0: (laughs) He's he's good at shooting bloody messes.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And it was directed uh, by music video and commercial director David Kellogg, who made music videos for Michael Jackson and also CNC Music Factory, uh, amongst a lot more. Um, He would go on to direct one other movie, and that's 1999's Inspector Gadget.
2: I want to tell my story of working with the DP on this movie. I was so excited. I had lunch across from him one day and I brought up Cool as Ice. And he just looked at me like I was the biggest asshole in the fucking world. And I took it as how dare you talk to me, you lowly assistant location manager. I'm the director of photography on a $100 million movie. Turns out I had misremembered and I wasn't <laughs> oh, talking to lion. the DP of uh, Cool as Ice, I was talking to the DP of Joe vs. the Volcano. <laughs> Dave's factual mind in action in the real world.
1: See, Dave, usually when you confuse two things in your head, the words are somewhat similar to one yeah. another. No, yeah? I or the, really, or look I really like
2: Joe versus similar.
3: the Volcano. I thought Cool as Ice was a piece of yeah. shit. Uh, but he won two Academy Awards. I, I just want to say to wrap this up. As I said, this was the most fun I ever had in a movie theater. I watched it by myself. Didn't have nearly as mu- uh, as much fun um it's weird to say this but really movies are made to be seen with others especially comedies Mm -hmm. good comedies and uh which are the movies we don't see anymore they don't make any money but uh so go see those but make sure if cool as ice ever comes to your town check the papers daily go see it it's amazing
0: God fucking shit We got a lot to get through and plug over. Today's bumper is yeah. sent in by George Flanagan. Thank you, George. Uh, he said, hey, guys. I ended up harassing me band, Flying Pace, into doing some bumpers for the show. Oi! It actually turned into a real fun writing exercise for us, so maybe now we'll just transition into writing numeral based micro songs exclusively. Oh, jolly oh, good. George. That's a funny <laughs> joke. Yeah. I'll be sending them after this email via WeTransfer. He did.
3: Oh, we... Uh, that was a small t- transfer because yeah. of where yeah, he's I from. Like I
0: hope we make the cut on a future episode. Thanks for fighting the smooth fight. He, they making a cut on an episode about the future, and it's about fighting a fight. Uh, his Twitter is at DadJokesGeorge. Uh, and I'd like to plug his band Flying Pace, flyingpace.bandcamp.com, and I believe he is British. That's why I did a, an excellent British accent. Yeah, yeah
3: he, it was excellent. It was barely Australian. Um, we're gonna go
0: to the and be on stage with the Yacht Rock Review on the eleventh. We're gonna make March eleventh, yeah. March eleventh uh, at the Roxy the in Roxy. Los Angeles. Uh, so please come and see us and you, you go to see the Yacht Rock Review. Though, yeah, go see the fun. Yacht
3: Rock Review yeah. and, and come see us act like assholes. Yeah, and we uh, might do something entertaining. But probably not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, might well, just show up. Don't pin your night on what we do. Yeah, pin, yeah it's, 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 a,
1: it's about that.
0: Um, keep your radio tuned all day long on March 15th to NPR so you can hear us on World, uh, Cafe. World Cafe. Dave and I, were they interview us. They're surprised at how serious we are about as long as being yacht and yacht. It's a great interview. Yeah. I
2: wouldn't call it great. It is is, is an interview. Entertaining. We'll see how they cut it. Yeah. Uh, Um, I'm going to be on a new podcast on March 2nd and March 9th called One Bourbon, One Shard, and One Beer, where uh, people play music and talk about what drinks they should be paired with. Who hosts that? Uh, Chris Kern from uh, Paseo Wine Club. Mm. Very good. And you can find it wherever podcasts are sold. Um. The internet. Go to
0: YachtRock.com. Check out our, our merch booth. You can buy t shirts, some jean meat buttons. I don't, hopefully, maybe we'll have some other stuff on by the time this airs. Maybe nah, not. Nah,
2: maybe we'll do some tote bags.
0: I think tote bags are next I in line. I think tote bags. My are wife to designed a really awesome yeah. season one uh, design mm-hmm. that you're all going to want to get. Yeah, it's great. Um and. Uh, Eric Helan, you go to Captain's blog, you see a, a piece by Eric Helan, and it's probably it's probably pronounced something else. He told me how to pronounce it, and I feel like it's not Heelan, But Eric Heelan. he wrote a thing on Ark Rock, which is like Christian yacht rock, and it's legit, and he did a great job writing about it, and there's some great examples. So there's like a three-part article about Ark Rock. I think you should check out if you love Jesus. Uh Where Patreon! Still interesting. Patreon nickname shout-outs. JD, why don't you do the first two? I gave you I gave you a couple options. Okay. Um Okay, so either Chris Hunter or Chris this guy can't oh Chris <laughs> Oh Chris Hunter stir or Chris this guy can't get enough Night Ranger Stir. You didn't have to read both. I was giving you the option. Oh, I like Hunter Stir.
3: <laughs> that was my original one.
0: Okay, so I'll just uh
3: Do this next one. Oh,
0: yeah. John, hey, did you guys know my dad designed albums for the Beatles and Jimmy Buffett, Kosh?
3: Yeah,
0: there it is. We've gotten a million emails from this guy telling us his dad's designed uh, album covers for the Beatles and Jimmy Buffett. And he's very proud of his dad. And congratulations, he should be. And his alternate
3: nickname is Dude Pubes. Yeah. Yeah, Dude Pubes Kosh. (laughs) Uh, How about... uh, I'll do the next one. Uh, Johnny, get your buns, Warren. (laughs) I really like that one. Okay. Uh, Karen, the Pendulum and the Piddleman. Ooh, literary. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Dave, why don't you do the next one? All right. We got Mark, Dark Shark Bark, Pritchard. Oh, shit. Oh,
0: Ocean City Defender, once again, did not give us a long enough.
2: Fuck that guy. Yeah. Um, We've got Lee, Annually Ann. (laughs) <laughs> well,
3: I think her 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 last name's not Anne, oh. but in the but in our Patreon, it was just Lee So we're doing oh, yeah. this annually. Mm. Yeah,
2: and and then uh, we'll wrap it up with uh, old Timothy keeping him pregnant, Malcolm.
1: Yeah. <laughs> for some reason he's paying us to do a bunch <laughs> of work for us. <laughs> And uh, I'd also like to plug the uh, Tony Zaret, Hunter Stair, Rock Opera, Roboticus. Look for it at Channel 101 New York. Well,
2: and no. I, and I'd, like to, I'd like to say that I used exclusively B-52 guitars. And B.C. Rich. <laughs> B.C. Rich. What did I say? B-52. B-52. Oh, no, my, my amplifier.
0: I'm using a guitar now.
2: <laughs> exclusively. B.C. Rich Warlock guitar and uh, B-52 Raven amplifiers. Exclusively. It's my Raven
0: Amplifier! One, two, three, four,
1: five. Number five. <laughs> All right. So, uh, oh, good. <laughs> I just want to say first off, I want to, I want to apologize for making us listen to Rush. Can we rush through this one? I uh, uh, like Rush. This yeah, is uh, yeah. I like Rush too. I like Rush. I don't like this song though. Yeah. No, Twenty one
3: twelve. Yeah. It's a
1: yeah, hard
2: yeah, this to get. Is are, had, this yeah. is a challenge. more about, moving about seven years here. ago. I kind of had a change of heart on Rush, and I thought I don't I don't hate these guys. This is kind of interesting. I kind of dig this. This song's kinda of making me change my mind back though. <laughs>
4: there's a couple rocking sections in this song.
2: Yeah. Sure. It's,
1: there's a couple rocking sections cu- in this twenty minute sidelong prog <laughs> rock yeah. suite.
0: There's a couple rocking sections in this in this in, song. This it's not song. a good defense of this song. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, So, 2112 is one of the first songs that comes up when you're doing even basic research on what songs are true dystopian futures. in which rock and roll has been outlawed. It can't be avoided. Uh, Um, If this
0: is a world where rock and roll is outlawed, it appears that Russia is abiding by the law.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Tony... Would you do the people sure. a favor and tell us what the plot of 2112 is?
4: Well, as most of your listeners could probably tell already just by these uh, sonorous opening notes, uh, <laughs> the plot of 2112 is inspired by an Ayn Rand novella uh, called Anthem, uh, which I have never I've read. I've never read it, no. no. But uh, anyway, here's the uh, the story. Uh, after the overture, which we're hearing right now, uh, we meet the protagonist who is named uh, the protagonist. Dude. Wow! And what's the lead character's name, Hunter, in uh, the Kiss rock opera? Uh, the, not. This is from musical. Music yeah. It's oh it's, uh, the boy. The boy, yeah. The boy. So obviously they obviously learned inspired from this. By it, yeah. yeah.
0: Prince is the kid in Purple
4: Rain. Oh yeah.
0: A lot what? of people yeah. get, get uh a lot of musicians get uh, lazy about their right. lead characters' <laughs>
3: names when they try to do opuses. They try to make it so generic that anybody can
4: identify like with it. They're creative enough to come up with uh who you'll hear about in a minute, uh the priests of the Temple of Syrinx. Oh, which is cool. Really cool, and they couldn't even come up with a name yeah. for the protagonist. You
3: know I what I wish this was about? We're what, what this taught me? How to correctly pronounce Ayn Rand's name. Yeah. I didn't look it up. It's That's Ayn Rand. Ayn. Yeah, it's Ayn I, I, I wish they would have sang a song about that, because that would have been helpful.
4: I'd <laughs> rather talk about something else. <laughs> so let's get back to this discuss, uh, summary here. So, um... The protagonist lives in a dictatorship of the, called the Solar Federation. Everything is run by the, as I said, the priests of the temples of Syrinx, who control all information through a collection of computers. Ooh. <laughs> Multiple. Yeah, I mean, back then, to have more than one computer was. Inside, I mean, only the government <laughs> could have something like that. Um, so, anyway, one day the protagonist goes behind a waterfall.
1: <laughs> that happens. Uh, no, just and, like in The Legend of Zelda. Yeah. <laughs>
4: and he finds something and uh <coughs> here's this here's a i'll hear just the lyrics uh, right before that when he, when he finds something what can this strange device be when i touch it it gives forth the sound it's got wires that vibrate and give music what can this thing be that i found that's right. He's discovered a loom. Oh, what <laughs> no, a great topic for rock! Yeah. I'm just kidding. It's a guitar. What? A,
0: uh, uh, yeah. These people like make rock and roll for a living. They're millionaires on rock and roll, and that's how they describe discovering a guitar. <laughs> have they never played a guitar before? It's, it's insane.
4: Yeah.
0: How how these people that have made millions expressing themselves can't express themselves when they talk about what they do. Right,
4: they're pl- the protagonist finds a thing with wires that makes sound. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's so
3: basic. This is what happens when your main lyricist is the drummer.
4: Uh, Just want to point that out. I don't know. What about... uh, Just read your... Okay. (laughs) Anyway, Genesis. Anyway. uh, So... What does he he do with the guitar? he He learns how to play the guitar and performs his music for the priests. But they don't want his individualistic rock music, so they destroy his guitar. The protagonist wanders home and has a vision of how great art used to be before the Federation, thanks to individualism, and that the elder race who left our planets long ago intend to return and destroy the temples. Wait, hold on. So,
0: in Ayn Rand's paradise, are all bands one dude.
4: Boy, I just don't know anything about Ayn Rand or I like never will learn. Yeah, you mean I don't like want the guy learn.
3: with the drums and the cymbals and the...
4: Because they're uh, basically, basically
3: objectivists, because the, there can only be one person
0: yeah, who really does exactly. it. Yeah, uh, exactly. In Ayn Rand's Paradise, everybody's a selfish prick who doesn't give a fuck about anybody except right. themselves.
4: And they're being held back by people that want to help, like, yeah, collaborate. Yeah, by, by bands. Yeah, yeah, like, by yeah. Artists yeah, yeah bands are collectivists, Yeah, so they're immoral. I'm beginning to think these guys in Rush aren't (laughs) geniuses. Anyway... So he has this vision. <laughs> right, so that, I'll just give that, you the, the...
1: elder race is going to come back and destroy the temple.
4: But uh, <laughs> anyway, but the, the, the priests don't go for it. The priests don't like him. So it, this, the protagonist kills himself. But good I'm news. in a rush? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, no. Here's the good news, though. After he kills himself in the lyrics, there's a long instrumental section. And then more singing comes in to announce that the elders are back and in control of the Solar Federation. And presumably, presumably have restored the right to one.
1: Oh, what a by stupid yourself. decision to kill himself. Yeah, He, he had a vision of how they were coming back, and he killed himself anyway. Uh, this is a vision this of somebody
3: some who spends a lot of time by themselves practicing their instrument, <laughs> and they're not actually in a band. And adding, adding pieces to your drum set for no apparent reason. <laughs>
2: I'll show them. They, you know, the saddest thing is the Randians
0: won. They're running the country right yeah. now. Yeah,
1: yeah. A- Ayn Rand, basically, she's best known for convincing uh, a majority of our wealthy capitalist elites that they are America's true heroes. The industrialists. deserve every bit of everything they get. And that there is no worse problem in our society than taxation. And they won! Do you know that right
0: now, uh, or last year, uh, 62 men had as much wealth as the bottom half of the world population? Uh, right now, according to Oxfam, that's down to six! Six men have more wealth than ha- the bottom poorest half oh, well, of the population. Oh, well, there are then. And if that's not depressing enough... We're still listening to the self-indulgent prog rock of Rush.
3: (laughs) And and, and good news, guys. We don't have to rush through this song because this is only a third of the way through. Uh, We're
2: at seven minutes. Let's... You know, normally it's good music that makes me want to go out and start a band, but this one's like, we should start a band because something's really wrong here.
4: I think he's... Did you just figure it out, Tony? No, I just. Uh, I thought the bumper was the part where he goes to the waterfall. Oh. It was <laughs> the <guitar. laughs> Here's where he gets the guitar. Yeah.
0: I actually, in listening to, the, to that song, I was like, "Oh, we moved on to the next song." Joe's guitar sound Joe's Garage sounds like this, but it was still the Rush song. Uh.
1: Yeah, this is Frank Zappa, Joe's Garage. Uh, it's the, he he narrates this whole album. Frank Zappa does as. Uh, his creepy voices putting through a megaphone. Uh, There's a character he calls the central scrutinizer. I think it was a megaphone. He's the central scrutinizer uh, who narrates the whole triple album of Joe's Garage. Joe's Garage is one of the definitive dystopian future in which rock and roll has been outlawed concept albums. Uh, And like our previous selection, it comes from a more uh, libertarian perspective, although Zappa doesn't identify with that label as much as certain members of Rush. Uh, Tony, do you want to take away the plot
4: yes. of Joe's Garage? The plot of Joe's Garage follows a rock musician named Joe who started out. <laughs> checks uh, out. <laughs> checks out, yeah. He starts uh,
1: out. Where, where, where did he go?
4: What did he do? He played
1: music in his garage.
3: Ah! Huh.
4: His band gets popular enough to go on tour. His girlfriend becomes a nymphomaniac. A is a woman night that night enjoys very to have horny. sex. Okay. In the 70s, though, that was considered they, it insane. I guess. Yeah, they Sad thought food.
1: they thought that was an actual clinical condition in the 70s. Uh,
4: anyway, leaving Joe to catch what was then called venereal disease, a <laughs> <which> jack-in-the-box cashier. was actually pretty funny break now. To get over this, Joe joins L. Ron Hoover's First Church of appliantology <laughs> <laughs> for his diagnosis. Some deep
0: satire. <laughs>
4: (laughs) (laughs) He is diagnosed as a latent appliance fetishist and kills a robot with hard sex. He is arrested for not being able to pay for it. And also, the government doesn't approve of rock music anyway, so they send him to a jail filled with musicians and record executives. <laughs> Joe gets gang-banged in his rear hole by a bunch of record executives in, as I say, the type of tremendously subtle metaphor that Frank Zappa was known for. Uh, he gets out of jail a broken and shattered man, and now that there are no more musicians, he can only play his guitar in his mind and ends up working at a Muffet factory or some shit.
0: Ugh. Now listen to this, Hunter. This is what you call Sonic. Yeah. Frank Zappa really pushed the envelope. Yeah. You have no idea what's going to happen in this song. But at it's heart. It's a great little picture of what it's
2: like to be in a low-stakes environment. And that's exactly what
3: Sonic means.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. There's a great video online. I suggest everybody check it out. It's Frank Zappa on the Steve Allen Show I in 1963 this. playing a bicycle. <laughs> and it's, you know, just like blowing in the end of it and, you know, playing the spokes. It's
3: amazing how long they were able to stretch yeah, it out. Yeah, it's, it's,
2: like it's like an
3: 11-minute video. From 63?
2: Yeah. yeah. Awesome. And you can, you can start to see his, like, dark sarcasm and, mm-hmm. like, humor coming and, through. And Steve, Steve Allen's Alan's quips. Trying to make those 1960s jokes like, yeah, this is a great thing. You can ride your band to work. You know, like, oh, know. those 1960s jokes. But it's, it's incredible. Like, I recommend checking it out.
3: Not like the 1970s jokes like this song. Like, don't fool yourself, girl. It's going right up your poop chute. Yeah. That was off a different album. Yeah, but still in 70s, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah,
1: same general era.
3: There's a lot of sexual fetishes in his songs.
1: Yeah, uh, really without, if, there, if, if this album did not have the central scrutinizer voice coming out between songs, there really wouldn't be that much of a totalitarian vibe to this story at all. Uh, Joe doesn't even get arrested really for playing rock music. He gets because he, he fucks a robot too hard and breaks it. That happens. Yeah, th- uh, apparently. Uh, I mean, the, the main the main point of this album for Zappa, like musically, he was experimenting with what he called, I think it's pronounced xenocrony, uh, which is a term that, to my knowledge, never caught on anywhere else, uh, where he would take a live guitar solo from one song, dub it over a completely unrelated instrumental backing track from a different song, And then see what kind of musical coincidences or unrepeatable polyrhythms happen from that. What a guy. (laughs) We also know he gave his kids funny names.
0: Yes, that he did. Um, But I want to read the least talked about Zappa Child into the record, uh, Diva Muffin. Uh, Diva Muffin is 37 years old today, and that's about it. Diva Muffin Zappa. uh, She's on Mighty Boosh. Yeah,
1: she's now been talked about a little bit more. I once was at a hipster spelling bee party in Atwater Village with uh, Diva Zappa. Oh, did not was meet she her. there? I finished ahead of her, though. Ah, of course you did, because you're on the best trivia team in I the didn't, city. I didn't win, though. Is the thing I did oh. not win that spelling bee. I misspelled idiosyncrasy because I forgot that it had an idiosyncratic spelling. Wait, oh, oh, it wasn't trivia. It was no, it was, it was, was a, a spelling, spelling bee. bee party. That yeah, was a long time. It was like yeah. a nighttime didn't, party didn't where people party? drank, no, no. and then there was a spelling bee like in the driveway.
0: How about that? What fun times we have in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm.
1: Some people might not realize this, but The Who did a lot of work on a dystopian future in which rock and roll has been outlawed rock opera that was never completed. Would have been one of the earliest efforts in that vein had it ever seen the light of day. I think we can say one of the members of The Who did a lot of work on it. Yeah, we're going to get to that in a bit because it's, oh boy, trying to untangle this guy's psyche. Yeah. Uh, A lot of the material ended up on Who's Next, which is their best album, and some other stuff came out later on Who Are You, a few other assorted solo projects by mastermind Pete Townsend. Alright, this is going to take a minute to get through. God help me, I'm going to try to explain Lifehouse, which is the rock opera. So... Pete Townsend was coming off of Tommy, first real rock opera. He was getting into Sufi mysticism, as one does when one is a rock musician in the late 60s. He absorbed the idea that all matter emits light, heat, and sound in the form of vibrations. Pete watched his audiences get so into the music that he started to believe the vibrations would become so pure that the world would stop, and the audience members would dance themselves into oblivion, and their souls would leave their bodies to exist in a permanent state of ecstatic bliss. And Pete also came to believe that the only reason this did not literally happen was that everyone knew the concert would end and they would go back to work on Monday. Makes more sense than Tommy. Yes. (laughs) I, yes. <laughs> so far, so good. I thought
3: so this good. is about a house.
1: <laughs> well, we're getting to that. There, oh. There's a lot of there's a lot of ideas pinging around in Pete's brain here. Okay. Uh, Pete had also acquired a couple of early synthesizers. He was fascinated by the idea of programming them using computerized biographical data to create musical themes unique to each individual human on Earth, so that their audience members could find their own role in the music instead of just being passive consumers. Also, in Pete's laboratory. Each of these musical themes could eventually be merged together to form what Pete imagined to be the universal chord, which would represent all of humanity and bring perfect harmony to the world through the science of vibrations. Pete also believed young boys were sexy. Oh, no, he was just doing research.
0: Oh, that's right. Into young boys. (laughs) To see if they were in fact sexy. Yeah, we don't know
2: what
1: his conclusion was. I have to do a lot of research. Yeah, he researched it a lot. (laughs) All right, we're gonna. I'm gonna throw it now to Tony, with that background information in mind. I'm gonna throw it to Tony for the actual plot of Lifehouse. Wait, because it's album.
0: not. It's not research until I find a young boy who's not sexy to be the control. Yeah, that's, this is all. This is all very one-sided. Sorry, I didn't mean to choke off your bit. There. No, it's okay. My my bit was slow to develop. <laughs> I was thinking about it. It was percolating. Tony. All right, here we go. Plot. So here's
4: the plot. A lot of, uh, okay. Lifehouse takes place in a, a dystopia where rock and roll has vanished and nobody can go outside anymore because of pollution. So, everyone stays at home encased in experience suits or life suits.
1: Yeah. Depending on which draft.
4: Okay, it was. That, that simulate reality. And these were all connected to something called the grid, which Townsend claims means he predicted the internet. Mm-hmm. You know, the internet, that thing you can't access unless you put on your internet suit.
3: Yeah, <laughs> and virtual reality. Yeah. But
4: then one day, a wise old man who remembers rock and roll inspires a young rebel named Bobby to have a rock concert out on one of the falls which are apparently far away from the pollution and don't require suits, and set it up in a special building called the Yeah, hey, There you go. Okay, thank God. Bobby hacks the suits to broadcast pirate radio style ads for the concert. The Who loved pirate? They did a whole concept album about pirate radio a few years before. Uh, people shed their experience suits and head out to the countryside for the rock show. Their biographical data is fed into a computer to create their personal music theme. Just as the authorities arrive to break it up, and arrest everyone. Universal chord sounds, and everyone literally vanishes into a realm of mystical bliss. So I guess the message is sort of, computers are great as long as you do not wear them. Because (laughs) the computer is good, but all the programs of the (coughs) vibrations, I, I mean, that's what I'm getting out of it.
1: And that's not all, because Pete Townsend got so obsessed with the plot of this rock opera that he decided to try to make some version of this mystical experience happen in real life. Uh, He got the synth intro to Baba O'Reilly by programming in the data of his Indian spiritual guru, uh, Mihir Baba. I assume I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yeah, that's where Baba O'Reilly comes from. Yes. Uh... Uh, He he tried to book a series of Who concerts where he would do the same thing for audience members and let their communal participation help build the music that they would write on stage. Hence this song, Join Together, about joining together with the band. That's where this came from. Uh, Unfortunately, nobody in the audience at that first gig understood what the fuck they were supposed to do. Well, not only
2: that, but there's, I've seen at least two interviews of people talking about Pete Townsend that were Mm -hmm. around him back in the day, that were like, that whole story of him putting that into, they're like, that's total bullshit. That's something he did just to make his story more interesting. You're
4: saying the life suits is total bullshit? I'm saying.
2: You're saying the, him, the Baba O'Reilly intro? Putting the Baba O'Reilly, feeding it into a computer, and getting that specific oh, keyboard thing. Didn't yeah, quite He wasn't talking that way. about the life suits, Tony. I z- That's I real. T- I z- Tony, <laughs> the, the life suits are fucking legit.
1: I'm not <laughs> questioning that. Jesus, I'm not insane. <laughs> So after all this conceptual bullshit goes down, uh, I, I, I I located the least surprising sentence on Wikipedia. I'd like to read it right now. Townsend's inability to translate the ideas in his head to those around him eventually led to a nervous breakdown. <laughs> Come on, Pete.
0: Tommy had a couple good songs on it. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay, so the epilogue to all of that... One saying- of what I'm saying is, his magnum opus, he can with it a little bit. He did a little, kind of a good job.
2: Yeah. Anyway. Well, the fact that he I wrote Tommy one. when he was 23, is kind of remarkable. And the fact that Tony and I put it on live and were able to cut out 116 minutes of it to give it a good 40-minute... Narrative. Yeah. Structure. It was a good production. Did it live on stage, yeah. Everybody here was part of it. Yeah, me. Yep. Yeah. Hunter, Hunter came and saw it. Yeah, I did. It was wonderful.
1: So uh, I'll get I'll get to the epilogue you, of of the Lifehouse Welcome. story. For a little over a year, from 2007 to 2008, uh, Townsend and a couple other guys set up a website called the Lifehouse Method, where you could. Uh, Contrary to the rumor about Bob O'Reilly, you Mm -hmm. could input your biographical data and have it computerized into a personal musical theme. And I was excited to try that,
0: uh, so I went to the website and I was greeted with, Our wonderful experiment on this site has come to an end. Mm -hmm. We are no longer accepting new sitters and creating musical portraits. Our thanks to all who have participated in Lifehouse Method to date. Boo. You know what, See though, Steve? I can
4: actually do that. Would someone give me some biographical data, I, I will, I will do it for you. I was born them. in 1980. All right, I got something. Here we go. I Steve.
0: got something. Okay. Uh, I had a dog as a as a child named Fudu.
4: Okay. Yeah. Well, that's the same bit as before, but... All right, here's... I got, yeah. I, I've got. i lived <laughs> Here in... We're going oh, to challenge you to
1: expand are. this bit. Oh, yeah. I've lived in Pullman, right, Washington, San Marcos, Texas, Eunice, Louisiana, and Big Rapids, Michigan.
4: I love rock and roll. Put another guy with the jukebox, baby. baby. Yeah.
2: <laughs> hey, I really like the song, uh, Cowboy Song. Ooh. Do, 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 a, do. I just played a bumper that said
0: number two.
1: Ah. Uh, what? One other thing I wanted to say about Lifehouse. Most of the stories have been about individualism, like freedom through individual emotional expression. But Lifehouse is weird, unique in that, well, it's weird and unique in many ways, but uh, that it's about finding freedom through communal experience. It's a, it's a very different brand of dystopian future in which rock and roll has been outlawed. All
4: right. Hi.
0: Thanks for going back for a fun fact, Steve, because I got to play uh, that was the, George's
2: bumper without Dave interrupting it. Same yeah, bumper from go. before? Yeah. Uh, to be fair, I had
3: help interrupting it. No. To be fair, he I'll wanted to get a tune on his Tony. Yeah, Tony tunes.
0: Tony was over that bit three biographical
1: informations ago. But it's my fault. Yes. Got it. All right. Here's a song that is not part of a big old rock opera with a disjointed plot. There's no ambiguity whatsoever about whether rock and roll has been outlawed. It's all right up here on the surface, all packed into one great dystopian future and rock and roll has been outlawed, too. This is the title track of the second album by Stars, Stars with a Z on the end, uh, who were an early glam metal band from the late 70s. This song is called Violation. Uh, Stars had the same managers as Kiss and were also from New York. Hey, uh, hey guys. I don't
2: know if you knew this before today, Stars is awesome. I did not know this before I today. I didn't
0: know it, I'd never heard of Stars uh, before They're this. They're awesome, I looked him yeah. up, and uh, I looked them up for about two minutes, and uh, I learned about Michael Lee Smith, the lead singer, and if you listen, there's like a Freddie Mercury-esque quality to his voice. And uh, not only was Queen the shit back then and probably influenced them, but Michael Lee Smith, like Freddie Mercury, has a mouth full of giant teeth. Yeah, uh,
3: I, I think this is the sleeper hit on the list. Oh, absolutely. Stars is awesome. Mm-hmm. I have, a, I have, a, I have a, future, uh, a future genre kicking around in my head. They have a song called Coliseum Rock. But nobody knows who stars it is. Mm-hmm. So I want to. I want to do it one. I only have one song. Mm-hmm. It's a star song, but it's Coliseum but it, hits by bands that probably didn't play many. Coliseums. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Bang. So, so anybody has any ideas? It's,
2: it's unknown band
0: singing songs about rock and roll. Rock grand and stadiums. R- sta-
2: yeah, yeah, rock and stadiums. <laughs> so like anthemic. Yes. Yeah. It's right, like we're in shit, and we fill
3: enormous yeah. rooms. We sell, we, yeah, we sell out coliseums But I only got stars so far because they're awesome. Twitter. I'm- Sorry. Give us a bunch of bad okay. ideas. Okay. <laughs> so this is uh,
1: this is uh, not this isn't a rock opera, but the the album Violation has a bit of a history. Tony, I'm going to throw that
4: to you. Sure. So, originally Violation was supposed to be a concept album, but the record company hated the idea and even made the band resequence the songs in the album to remove any semblance of a plot line. I guess uh, anyway, uh, Violation was the only identifiable dystopian future in which rock and roll has been outlawed song from the album Violation that survived. So, in a sense, what we have is a dystopian future ruled by corporations who have outlawed dystopian future in which rock and roll has been outlawed rock and roll. And Steve wrote that, so (laughs) uh, maybe tweet at him to parse it. But, uh, anyway, uh, the album Violation was such a commercial failure that Capitol Records forced stars to go back to their original band name, Guys. <laughs> <laughs> With a Z. Because they're not stars. Um, uh, see? They fit the that genre perfectly. Wait, was yeah. that true or is no, that a Tony No, I joke? made it. That was a gag. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it was sort of dry. Because
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: right. you were reading all this and confused that Steve wrote it all. Right. And then, <laughs> see, what I was, I was so.
1: trying to get at Capitol Records was a corporation, and they outlawed... Just so we're here with rock and roll and outlawed. Rock and roll. This is
4: the third time we've tried that bit it. this. No, yeah, it's, I guess, no, it's it keeps... great. I keep... okay.
1: It's Go just guys, ironic why... that a corporation outlawed this genre. Uh, so the plot of this song is just there's a committee who watches us and they don't want you to rock or feel any emotions and those are all violations. Or listen to their albums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
0: think it this, works. Or buy their albums. Censorship. I think this song is pretty brilliant because the dude says something awesome about rock and roll that he wants to do, and then that's the call, and then the responses it's a violation, which is in and of itself both true to the plot and
2: a great, great, great rock and roll refrain. So, Bravo Stars. It's a great song. Yeah. You could put this uh, violation up next to Violator. This one's going to win every time. Violator alphabetically? (laughs) Well, and, and sonically.
0: People like to draw out their number ones in the bumpers. Yeah, they it's big do. Big finish. It is a big finish. It's funny because none, none of our number ones are like,
4: yes, yes, yeah! yeah! <laughs> what we you, got been got you guys. For.
0: It's always either
2: like, of course this is number one, yeah, or, or like, it's like, oh, we got to listen to Sticks now. Hey,
1: not. listen to that new WAP, Hunter. Where? There it is. Yep, there it is. I found one. I found a new WAP song. Uh, of course, this is Styx. The song is High Time from the concept album, Kilroy Was Here, which is set in a dystopian future in which rock and roll has been outlawed. Uh, I always knew Mr. Roboto was part of this concept album, and uh, I always figured that's why the song didn't make any sense, and I always, oh, it must come in the middle of the album, in between a bunch of other plot elements that make clear what the hell is going on on. No! Mr. Roboto's the opening track of Cure was here, and instead what the band did was open their concerts with a nine and a half minute short film that sets up the plot of the album.
3: I, I would love that. To, today's music, I would go see that band who has the balls to do that, to open up all their shows. And was, then play this album. <laughs> if you had any doubt
0: that this was a dystopian future in which rock and roll is outlawed, uh, let me tell you, I open the I, I look into the, at the video and it opens with the chant No more rock. No more rock. And Dennis DeYoung has cast himself as the lead. And the rest of the band is in the video as well. Uh, Dennis DeYoung gives his performance all he's got. Uh, and the rest of the band clearly wants no part in this.
1: I got, I got bored skipping through this video. <laughs> and, and at the concerts, he would act out more. Like there's at least one other scene that he acts out on stage uh, after a couple songs. So it's a, it's a, it's an actual musical theater production. But honestly, basically,
3: wouldn't you go see this if they came back? with the oh, yes. production Absolutely. of this yes. album.
1: Yeah.
2: Yes, in a second. <laughs> and I would pay upwards of $14. Yes. For that 50- yes. <laughs> at the Canyon Club in Agora Hill. Yeah. Well, the last I saw Sticks once, I think I told the story. It was at the Red Lion Casino in Elko, Nevada. And I got thrown out because I thought it was really important I should get up on stage with Dennis Young. <laughs> he, he wasn't having it, so they threw me out of the club, deposited me directly in the casino, where I hung out and played craps until after the concert. And then Tommy Shaw came and was playing at the same craps table. What year was it? This would have been 2004. Somebody on Twitter looked that up and,
0: and made sure that Dennis Young was not in sticks at that time, and Dave's totally fucked up with this fact. There's a good chance I'm way off base on it. Was, a good chance. I, <laughs> if I was a betting man at that casino, don't you, have was, a, uh, don't you have a
3: t-shirt from this concert? I do. You bought and, the t-shirt before he got kicked out, which and, is a smart man over there. And the,
2: the, the con- and here's here's the, the thing. The concert isn't on the t-shirt. It has all the dates uh, on the back. My concert isn't on there. So I can't even wear the shirt to prove it.
4: I have a little anecdote about this, but I don't know if we run over. All right, well, we've run, we ran over, over
3: a okay, half hour ago. Uh, yeah.
4: When I first moved to New York City, uh, I let my roommates uh, Stephen and Andrew. Uh, we were we didn't have we didn't have any money. We didn't have we girlfriends. We all we would do pretty much on the Friday night would be to watch either. <laughs> Uh, this tape we had of the TV series Sinbad that came out around the time of Xena Warrior Princess okay, that was uh, yeah. like
1: Sinbad the sailor, not yeah. Sinbad the comedian. Right. Yeah,
4: exactly, not the comedian, the sailor. Had it, but there was an episode that it was before they'd done any post effects, so we would just watch it <laughs> oh, see really? where Sinbad what? levitates. And, but, you, yeah, but you see him on, a, you see him on like one of those cranes or whatever. We just watch that. Or uh, that was one of the two. Tapes that we watched, that and the, the, this tape of Sticks Caught in the Act live, that had the, which was the concert that had the, the, the movie, short the short film. So pretty much we had nothing to do. We were so worried. All we did was watch these tapes. But that all changed when we discovered a little something called LAN parties. And after that, <laughs> we were having a great time. We plugged all our computers in together and played games against each other. So, Tony, anyway. would
1: you walk us through <coughs> yes. the final
4: plot summary
1: of the evening? So, um. The setup for the Kilroy was. This yes, is basically this is a short plot film. Yeah.
4: So basically, rock star Robert Oren Charles Kilroy. Did you check you those initials? Mm-hmm. There it is. is. Is sentenced to life in prison for Wait, the. Wait. Yeah. Did
0: you say, uh, Oren Charles Kilroy? Ha,
2: <laughs> cock with a C. Ha, ha,
4: Dave was looking at something on a calculation. You know, you, you no, I'm, the looking cock up,
2: joke. I'm looking up. I'm looking up sticks, that. and they were in Elko, Nevada. Was Dennis Young in the band at the time? I don't think he was. was I can't tell, but I don't think he was. I but think they he was. did play. They did. According to FM, they did play. Don't. Uh, they did play. Come sail away. Of course. Which was his song was. Wasn't that Dennis? DeYoung? Yeah, but they got the new guy who's. who's so a you're new, telling me I went through all that shit to get on. Stage with Dennis DeYoung, and that motherfucker wasn't even Dennis T. Young. So we got a stage with, with Tommy Shaw, that's pretty cool. No, oh, I never made it to the stage. Oh. So, okay Tony's in the Anyways, of a really
1: so Robert a
4: Charles Kilroy. Really compelling
2: okay. plot. August He's, August 21st, 2004.
1: Listen
4: to, this. listen to this. He's sentenced to life in prison for the manslaughter of a member of the majority for musical morality. A young fan named Jonathan Chance jams the airwaves to broadcast one of Kilroy's songs on t- or one of his songs on TV. And inspires Kilroy to break out of prison. The prison is run by robot guards, uh, and you can see on the cover of the Killer Was here album, album that they look like offensive caricatures of giant Japanese babies. <laughs> That's
0: true. <laughs> that is true. They got true. big. They got big. Uh, Mickey Rooney and, and Breakfast with Tiffany's teeth, yeah. like yeah.
4: subtle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway. Not subtle. <laughs> Kilroy escapes from prison by pulling the old, kick a robot in the robot balls <laughs> and use the robot's head as a mask over your own head your team.
0: We've all done it. Yeah. It's such a
4: cliche. And uh, that's, uh, of course, we know the song Mr. Roboto at the end. He goes, I'm Kilroy," because he pulls the robot's helmet off. He's yeah, not he a robot. He reveals himself to Jonathan He's Chance. not a Roboto, anyway. Uh, yeah, the robots are, are called Robotos. Roboto. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, that's the setup, and then later it's revealed during the narrative theatrical proportion of the concert that the evil Dr. Righteous uh, framed Kilroy for the murder to destroy rock
1: music. And this this song is basically just uh, Kilroy's pledging to lead the revolution against Dr. Righteous for freedom of expression. Pretty straightforward. God, this is so lame. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever tried to listen to this whole album? Yes. No, I never have. Yeah. I tried in preparation for this show and I had to skip a yeah, few. Yeah, it's hard. Like, eh, uh, like, the totally, high I feel times like one pre-
2: down with it once and gave it a gave it a the old the old college try. The, there's
4: worse things. It's not like sitting through yeah, like twelve. It's, I mean no, at least there's like, like, like songs are broken up. It's
1: yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, I so, so, I, anyway, oh this oh, this show is oh. very expensive to stage. The tour lost sticks a bunch of money. The other band members were not happy with this direction at all. And they didn't was want to do it in the first
2: place. Yes.
1: Uh, they, did, they, they did nothing else until they reunited in 1990 and had a hit with a straightforward power ballad, uh, which is kind of a Gulf War long-distance dedication called "Show Me the Way."
0: Uh, JD, oh uh, so, uh, yeah, I wrote—I right. once wrote a movie professionally based on uh, the Sticks Kilroy was here fiasco. It was about like a, a cool bar band from St. Louis who had to take on a lead singer to get signed, and he was basically Dennis DeYoung, and took them in this terrible direction. Uh, it was a, gr- a fun script sold I to a big movie uh, yeah. studio. Uh, but it never got made, so I guess we live in a world where excellent writing has been outlawed. Pfft, Hollywood, Pfft, thank you for all the money you've paid me <laughs> over the years. Uh, okay, great, all good, right. good, man. That was that was a rough countdown. Yeah, <laughs> that was long. Are we going got- to
2: hear any of Roboticus? No.
1: No, uh, we can go find it on the web
2: uh oh.
0: so what didn't make the list <laughs> alright I have a couple honorable mentions uh, didn't we go over this early in the podcast yeah we
1: definitely went no, over he this yeah. oh yeah <laughs> no, good there are a couple I could confirm that rock and roll have been outlawed I just didn't like the I didn't like the Coldplay album Milo Xyloto. nobody likes the Coldplay album uh yeah I didn't want to put it on there uh in that future, sound and color have been outlawed, so it's like Big Brother meets Rainbow Bright what? villain Murky Dismal, if you guys remember uh, Murky Dismal, who wanted to get rid of all the colors in Rainbow Land. Well, mm. I'm running
4: an album where sound, color, and smells have been outlawed. <laughs> oh, no!
1: But oddly enough, not taste. Uh, also, there, the power metal band Iced Earth has a not-quite-concept album called Dystopia. There's a song called Equilibrium, based on the movie of the same name, and music has indeed been outlawed in the plot of that movie. I'm
0: yeah, really glad you got a chance to get a couple more picks in there, Steve.
1: Yeah. Those are the only other ones I could confirm. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what, did, what, did you, what did you guys find? Did so you the, guys find anything else? The rest of us.
3: Uh, how about me first? Something off Thin Lizzy's Jailbreak. It's a half-assed concept album, and it's really up to the album art to sell the comic book sci-fi dystopia. Uh, they never really say why they were in jail and had to break out, uh, but I'm going to assume it was because they rocked too hard. That's a logical assumption. Uh, Mm -hmm. and and the song Running Back sounds like a sad song about, uh, about rock and roll being banned and not being able to play it anymore, uh. Or, you know, play something from the award-winning show, Roboticus. That's why you don't have to.
2: Uh, Dave? Uh, I was trying to make an argument for all the young dudes, but I'll just check myself and say that I'm wrong. Pete Does, Townsend doesn't, is trying to make an argument for all it, the young dudes It doesn't, too. it doesn't fit, but it's a good song. Uh, so
0: I don't, I don't have a. I don't have a song you missed, but I have an anecdote of rock and roll actually being outlawed and how people dealt with it in the most rock and roll way imaginable. This, this is awesome. This is great. All right. So it was the 1950s in USSR. Rock and jazz fans had to get their hands on their favorite band music. So they would print albums using old x-rays, which were a cheap and easy source of vinyl. So uh, they'd have to cut a disc shape by hand and burn the center hole with a cigarette. And then they'd put it through the record printer and, and print the thing. You could only cut grooves under one side. Um, so what you got were these flimsy and perfectly shaped records, which were actually they were x-rays of human bones. Like, they look badass. Google X-Ray Audio Project for some pictures, a rock and roll band in Russia, and find some Smithsonian.com article or some other articles about the X-Ray records. It's cool. And then Chernobyl happened. (laughs) Yeah. And they all melted.
4: Tony? And I just wanted to put out a, a call. If there's any stoner metal bands listening, if you could please record a concept album about a dystopian future where weed is even more
1: illegal. <laughs>
0: we need it.
2: Um, Dave, what's the next episode? Oh shit, yeah that's me isn't it uh, I'm doing, I'm going to take a swing at the Plot Rock episodes and I'm doing Blaxploitation Plot Rock That's going to be great Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of fun uh, And I want to try to get it in in under 120 minutes
0: to be fair, we did stop and restart. This, this 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 is still a long episode. Okay, I'm just I'm just throwing my goal out there. It's important to make goals. <laughs> stop throwing your goal out there. Goals are good. Find this week's uh, a dystopian future in which rock and roll has been outlawed. Playlist by following J.D. Rizner on Spotify. Uh, go to Yachtrock.com to buy T-shirts. Read the captain's blog and see show notes by Tim Malcolm. Follow him on Twitter at Timothy Malcolm for fun facts. Send questions via Twitter at Yachtrock. Uh, somebody else take over. I'm
4: Follow J.D. at J.D. Riznar <laughs> Follow Hollywood Steve at Hollywood Steve H Follow David at David underscore B underscore Lions Follow Hunter at Ho- Hunter Stare Follow me, Tony Zaret, at Tony Zaret on Instagram
0: You're going to see a lot of a
1: lot memes of, my, yeah. po-
4: All my energy is in, goes into memes now So just follow me on Instagram uh, Like Yacht Rock on Facebook Follow Beyond Yacht Rock on Instagram Rate and review us on iTunes Your reviews help us pick up heat So please take the time to write us a review
0: Thanks to George yes. Flanagan for sending in the bumpers. Uh, themes by Rob Crow and Mark Rivers. Uh, thanks to Dustin, Jason, Noah, Kristen, the entire Feral Audio family. Check out other Feral Audio podcasts on Google.com and put Feral Audio in the search thing and take you right there. Whew.